let's just go up together. All right, we're live. And it's just like that, Mike. It's it's amazing. Um, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the, the JAR Foundation. I say welcome back. Welcome to the second episode of the JAR Foundation. We're almost, we can't say back because we're hardly anywhere. Um, I really appreciate uh, Mike Fink. You can see here has joined us as a second guest. guest. Um, you know, I just started randomly, not randomly, but very targetedly sending out emails to people of interest. Uh, when I looked at their profiles and thought uh, they would add some value in the mental health space. They've got a story. Um, and, you know, I got to say, Mike, there's there's a few when I'm clicking through and I'm like, oh, it'd be good to get this guy or this lady. Right. Or this person. And I remembered you um, partly because your role in the in the job description, um, but also because I, when I did a quick look through, I can see you've been on a lot of the sides of of the mental health space. Right. Yeah. Early on, you know, you've been your retail, uh, you've gone to the tech side. And so it seems that you've really had a journey inside this space trying to solve these problems. And, and maybe we can't solve them, but, you know, trying to help them and address them. Um, so it's great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for for agreeing and, and coming on and spending 30 minutes with us. Why don't, let's go through the formula, which is a couple minutes of who you are as sure. a person, as a human. Uh, what are you doing today in in the space and then um and then we can talk maybe a little bit about your past or you can spin it up however you like sure well first of all ken thank you thanks for having me appreciate it um it's a pleasure to be on here i always always enjoy uh in the interest of destigmatization always enjoy yes. sharing my story always enjoy sharing my experience both professionally and my lived experience so i'm kind of an mm. open book in that manner yeah. uh I, uh, I probably have less discretion than I should have. Uh, so um, right now I work for Lyra Health. It's a high-flying, wonderful mental health tech company hmm. that works uh, with employers, large employer groups, uh, okay. to be, to be an uh, part of their employer-sponsored mental health kind of solution, right? Super. So, so Super. typically what happens is, you know, you work for, uh, let's say, Coca-Cola, and you call up your health plan and you don't know how to navigate that or find a good quality provider. Some of those providers are no longer in network with, let's say, Aetna. You call around, you don't know what differentiates each provider, things of that nature, right? And before you get care, it's 30 days, 32 days yeah. out. About yes. the and so you get attrition. People <clears throat> will give up. They give up. They're, they're really depressed or anxious. They call around, they bop around, they never find anybody, or they find someone, they don't develop a good therapeutic rapport, and they have to move on to the next person. And that is a, yeah, it's a daunting process. So it's very disillusioning. So they end up regressing, decompensating, if you will, um, not getting better, and then ultimately missing work. There's absenteeism, uh, there's lower productivity. Real cost to the, to, the, to the company. There's real cost to the company as far as medical claims. So if they you know, God forbid, go inpatient because they're, let's say, suicidal at some point or something along those lines because they're getting untreated, right? So the traditional health plan network is just insufficient. And the traditional way that EAPs have worked historically has just been okay. bro broken. So Lyra comes in and provides its own network of amazing, hard to reach therapists that are typically out of network with insurances. We we basically have a... a, 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 a kind of a system or um, uh, an integration in which we add them on to the health plan so they're in network and available to employee, okay. employees and their families. That's what I do now. So um, 
and I love it. I work more in a partnership capacity. So I get to yep. bring life changing mental health care to, you know, if I, if I get a, if I get a contract with a company with a thousand or a hundred thousand employees, I get to bring a hundred, you know, life changing mental health care to a hundred thousand people. Right. Ostensibly. Wow. Yeah, um, absolutely. You're going to save, you're literally going to save somebody. Someone in there is going to need oh, that. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, call. there's, there's a very real, you know, we, we put numbers to it. There are yeah. a number of people in that first fiscal year that are going to reach out because they are suicidal wow. and we are going to save them. And that you, you can, you can, sure, you can quantify that, but the human piece, the quality, the qualification, the qualified, yeah, piece, just, that, that piece is just so powerful oof. and moving. So, before that, though, if 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 it's if it's um, if you want to know, I was a director of an acute psychiatric inpatient hospital for five years. So, uh, kind of the front lines. Wow. Um, yeah, the turnstile medicine a little bit. People come in really, really destitute. Um, a lot of the unhoused or homeless population. Okay. Um, and then before that, I was a director of business development at several treatment centers. And then prior to that, I worked on the front lines at some uh, psych wards. And then prior to that, worked with children with autism. Wow. And um, I loved it. I loved all of it. And and <laughs> that doesn't have anything to do with my lived experience, but it, it was informed a lot by my lived experience. So uh, my wife is a therapist. I, I, I can't get away from it. I can't get away from it. <laughs> so um, I love what I do now. I'm you married the business. You really I'm married, married to the business. I'm literally married to the business. <laughs> You're literally married. It's, it's, that's very well put. Um, so that's kind of what I'm doing now. And, um, I love it. It's, uh, it's different. Uh, again, it's mental health and tech and there's, a, it's kind of a lot of noise in that space right now, but, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's fun. I think, you know, one of the things that I was surprised when I started my research on this was, um, Biden, the white house, yep. uh, president Biden had signed a mental health act, like yep. a, a basically solve this problem act. Yeah. And one of the things on there that really surprised me was the was bringing mental health education to the workplace. So yep. it seems like you guys, I mean, you're in that role. And I, I was weird. The thing that got me overseas yeah. and was my working in corporate. I used to sell insurance to the main corporate and then they would employees would buy it on a voluntary basis. Sure. You know, a bit like on the, the early cafeteria plants. Yeah, so I was a I was an early cafeteria plan kind of administrator guy and, and sales guy around insurance. And so when I saw that, I thought, you know, this is just so easy to help people. It's such a such a stupid, silly idea. It's so simple, it's so smart. Yeah. You know, like literally go to the workplace where everybody is, yep. carve out some time. You, we do educations or even through Zoom, you know, classes, whatever. It's so many ways to deliver it. And that's the beautiful thing is that I think, and Lyra knows this, right? And a lot of the direct-to-consumer brands like that were doing direct-to-consumer work, like TalkSafe yes. and BetterHelp and things like that, they're going now more uh, enterprise. So they're going business Absolutely. to business. It, there's a lot of things. Inflation is at play. Um, okay. you, you have uh, folks that are just unable to pay for out-of-pocket stuff, but but that being said, one way to really scale is to go, you know what? I'm contracted with an employer now that has 50,000 employees. So instead of trying to reach 50,000 Americans yeah. and, and spray and pray and try your advertising dollars, you, you contract with one employer and you immediately have access to the employees and their families, right? And so it's yes. one way to really scale your efforts if you're a solid um, solution. It, 
in, uh, you're going to do really well. You're going to do really well in, in that regard, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah. And, and, and they've, you're right. They did release guidelines. The, the world health organization, and I can't think uh, what else just released guidelines on workforce mental health. So not just looking at, um, mental health as it relates to the members. So let's say, Ken, you are an employee for X company and you're burnt out, stressed and anxious. You go seek a, a quality therapist. It's not just about that. It's also looking at systemically the, the work environment. So is the work environment contributing to your burnout, mm -hmm. your, the, your stress, your anxiety, depression? So looking at things like role clarity and, and autonomy at the, at, the, at the employee level, and then in equipping managers with um, mental health literacy and advocacy kind of awareness yep. strategies and tools so they can notice and respond when their employees are struggling uh, with with a particular um, issue, a mental health issue, more more specifically. So it's it's, yeah, it's looking at that organizational level wellness and and not just the not just at the member level, but at the yeah. population level. Well, it's even like a root. I'm I'm a big fan of this, which is the kind of the root cause stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is like you said, role clarity. It could be just a stress way the job's set up. I mean, look, some there is going to be stress at your work. I mean, this is just a a fact of life. Yep. Um, but if it's, it can be eliminated by training or process or clarity or, you know, simple things by education, um, yeah. then it reduces, it reduces the stupid stress. Yeah. You know, the, the, the unnecessary stress, um, which I'm sure is probably the low, easy, low hanging fruit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and, we, and we can get ahead of it a lot of times, you know, I mean, it, un, unmitigated burnout and all that kind of stuff can just can get compound on itself. And really get to a certain place where that person's depressed, and then yeah. if that depression is untreated, then that then that gets to a higher acuity level of depression, and then boom, that person is, uh, you know, um, a high cost claimant using claims in the health plan for inpatient care because they're really, really, really depressed. And you know, maybe we could have done something at the organizational level to head it off at the pass, right? Oh, um, absolutely. They see. I mean, people at work see you every day, eight hours a day. If you're going to an office or a factory. Yeah. Or, some, or a school, you know, you're in, so people, I mean, that is a place where you're most likely could, somebody could see the be, and that will also where your behavior is going to stand out because it's such a normal backdrop, you know, you've got such a beta line yep. and when you're, you start falling off that. Yeah, you're right, Ken. Like the, the, we just did the state of the workforce of 2023. We issued it. We, it's like a kind of like a white paper, if you will. Okay. And, and maybe I'm not doing it justice, but part and parcel to, to that was that um, employees that were surveyed, we surveyed a ton, um, said that their managers had more of an effect on their mental health than their partners I and know. and their therapists. And so to, <laughs> this is anecdotally, this is anecdotal. Oh, oh, that's it, so brutal. Yeah, there's I, a, still anecdotal, but still it's an observation, right? Yeah, it's a certain percent, a significant percentage, 42% said, more than their therapist and another, uh, I forget what the percentage is said significant. It, it, it's, it's cause you're right. You're at work eight, nine hours a day, whether you're remote or not. And so your manager has a, has a, in, a immense impact on your one, one's mental health. Right. So, you know, making sure that manager is equipped with the right, um, work-life balance and those things for him or herself is important because he or she oversees 20, 30, 100 yeah. people, whatever the case may be. So it proliferates easily if that yes. person is stressed and, and under-resourced. And that's why the old adage of, you know, people don't leave companies, they leave bosses. 
Exactly. And and exactly. it's probably, you know, you could equate that boss with somebody who gives you a really bad state of mental health. You have to, you literally leave. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's the world yeah. I'm in now. Yeah. Really. I mean, fascinating. Um, what are some of the things, um, you know, what's the, what's the most painful thing you see? What's like the thing, the stupidest thing the industry does? I mean, is there anything uh, like, you know, what's the, or, or one of, one of yeah. the things that drives you kind of like you just exasperation. You know, what drives me a little bonkers and I, and I is, is say this and it's going to be a little bit, um, a little bit of a, a polarizing, I'm sure for, for, but the, um, I spent a lot of time in the drug and alcohol industry on the treatment side. Okay. And I felt like there is a, um, uh, a, a clear delineation between a lot of folks that struggle with addiction and folks that struggle with some more of the um, mental health sans addiction issues. So let's just say mm. they struggle with OCD or schizophrenia or a mood disorder of, or thought disorder, like, you know, like schizophrenia or mood disorder, like bipolar, what have you. Now, sometimes you have both, of course, right? But, um, and the, the, or there are quite a bit of treatment centers out there for drug and alcohol. And um, they have um, commandeered or, or at least marketed themselves in such a way that they treat mental health. And so the underbelly of some of the industry is, a, is, is not too pretty. Uh, in, uh, yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. In the sense that it's like, well, Hey, you know what, do you have any inkling? Have you used, have you, have you, um, <laughs> have you used, uh, have you had a sip of beer in the last X you know, months. And you're like, you know what? That's fine for us. Come on in. And this person might be someone like me who struggles with really high acuity, severe OCD. And I'm not a, I shouldn't be in an addiction facility. Right. So what I, what I've seen is a lot of, um, uh, very agenda driven, very, very, it's about kind of what they call getting heads in beds, not so much about yes. the quality of care yeah. and not so much about the, the appropriateness of the care for the, 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 for the, particular yep. system or the particular issue uh you get a lot of uh, uh unsavory bad actors in the space so as much as like you think mm. mental health is just yeah. this, this this you know anyone in mental health is, <clears throat> is doing well by doing good it's just not the case you get a lot of folks particularly uh in the addiction space sometimes that um i find uh we're crossing lines that shouldn't be crossed. Right. And vice versa. I'm, you know, I mean, you get, everyone's looking to, you know, has a bottom line to some extent, but that, that would, that was what irked me the most. Yeah. Yeah. It was what irked me the most. Yeah. And it's, I think you, you end up because you're, you ultimately end up tied to that human, right. You know, it's the person, right. Yeah. The you're watching the system and the system kind of grinds along like it does. And it's got its ugly parts, but when you see the, the actual human that's getting, like you said, ends up in the wrong place for the wrong reasons. Yep. Um, I mean, it's painful. Just, it's painful. And that's just, and then, and then they, you know, that's not only time wasted, it's money wasted for the family or the individual. It's um, they decompensate potentially. And then another area of, of frustration is, is managed care can be really frustrating. Right. So, you know, we used to, <laughs> yeah. we used to I mean, the whole, just the name is right. Just the name right there is just going to tell you all you need to know. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, you used to get, you know, uh, you know, uh, enough time in residential to really uh, you would you would think more time, let's say, in residential level of care, for instance, for a drug and alcohol issue to yeah. heal. Uh, yeah. Now you get 
two weeks and they, they want, they want to bop you down to intensive outpatient level of care, which is like three days a week for a few hours. And, um, that's just basically um, perpetuating the cycle because that yeah. person is not going to get better likely. And yeah it's, a, yeah, it's a lot of time alone after two weeks. Yeah. And then, and two weeks is not, is insufficient. If they're, if their acuity levels that they need to go to a residential level of care, yes, yeah. they need to be there for some time, months, likely. Yeah, months, months. And so the individual dropping down to a lower level of care after two weeks and then back into, and matriculating back, into, back yeah. into society um, they're going to be right back in that residential yeah, level they're going to cycle back, right? Yeah, they're going to cycle back, and it's it's kind of really sad because they it's it's it doesn't it's 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 very turnstile. What do you do? You think? I mean, all this tech that's coming on board. I mean, there's two things, probably two two cool things happening in the industry. One is tech, and one is the therapeutics. You know, meaning you know just regular drug drugs. Yeah. You know, the stuff we're making in lab coats, and then the banana stuff. I say bananas yeah. just because it's not mainstream. Sure. Um, you know, the ketamine we talked about, I'm having somebody from ketamine on, which people yep. would go, whoa, like six months ago, a year ago, maybe a couple of years ago, yeah. uh, mush, you know, mushrooms, psilocybin and different, different extracts like that. What do you think? I mean, what do you think the impact is going to be? Or what do you see happening with these, these two? Cause you've got the really very traditional doctors who are going to be using certain drugs. Right. And, and there's a, I mean, there is a proven way to go. Right. And we're going to yeah. grind. And then you've got kind of these people kind of coming into the territory to test, you know, test the establishment and trying to lot of, and, and it's, and it seems new. I don't, you know, I know I'm new to this space, but these are like two big changes happening. And even the third one is maybe even, you know, remote and, and everything digital. Yeah. And when you're saying the traditional players, you're talking about traditional psych, uh, psychopharmacology, right? Yeah. Yeah. Psychopharma. Yeah. yeah. I got to get my link. My, get no, my no, no. I just, I just want to make sure. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. Cause all of a sudden now there's a, now that, there is a, a challenge to that or an option, right? It depends on how you look at it, but there's an option now and there's becoming more options. And I think if, if, if done, there could always be a bad actor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bad actor. for sure. There's going to be bad actors. We, we right? already know that. But I love it. And I tell you why I love it. I love it because we have this brain. It's a big black box. My wife is a therapist. So I have a little bit of the clinician uh, the clinician in me, uh, and I'm not a clinician, but I mean, modern psychotherapy has really technically been around for only about 120 years and, um, since Freud. And so there's a lot we don't know. Yeah. And because we don't know a lot, there's a lot that, you know, we, (laughs) there's a lot, there's a lot of evidence base for folks with, um, an anxiety disorder, um, folks with maybe even OCD, but it doesn't, it doesn't encapsulate every individual. There are nuances to every individual that make them them and that yeah. make them tick. And um, certainly from a, from a pharmaceutical standpoint, we're, you know, we, we we don't have these huge, with some drugs we do, but we don't have with every drug, these huge longitudinal studies that show its efficacy for, um, let's say, uh, bipolar disorder, yeah. right? Yeah, good one. So I mean, a, a lot of what we're doing is like messing around with cocktails that we know kind of work, some off-label, and we're trying to figure out how that's going to best fit this particular individual. This person. Yeah, this person. So from a pharmaceutical standpoint, I think you, you, you'd be it, it would be remiss for anybody to, for even any psychiatrist to say like, you know, I, I fully understand how this works. I think each, and that's maybe what's exciting about the job 
but also what 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 that allows for is that opens the space for okay. some of these yeah. newer things like ketamine assisted therapy psychedelic assisted uh treatment and that that i think is actually you know um it's very intriguing i wish i knew more i haven't worked for any of those facilities um or treatment centers or, or organizations that are pushing that to the forefront. But I think if we, if we stay iterative, including down to the clinician, the therapist, if they stay iterative and stay on top of things and learn about, you know, new trauma therapies and modalities that are coming out and things of that nature in the same way it, as a, as a, as an industry, if we stay iterative, I think it behooves us and it only benefits at the end of the day, the patient. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, you know, I don't think there's one thing that's a panacea. I think there's a lot of evidence base out there for certain things. Uh, but again, each person is, an, is an, is an N of one. So is an any, you know what I mean? Meaning yeah, yeah. sample size of one really. <laughs> and what may work for 98% of people might not work for the other 2%. This is this strange. This is a, it's my second chat and it's the second time that's come up already. Oh, really? As a, as a key, like, a, just don't forget, just be reminded that every person's different. Yep. Like, it, it, yep. and they're, and just where they're at, their spectrum on the spectrum of, you know, with, let's say they're bipolar, where they're at on this spectrum, you know, how, we don't even know how long it is or how wide it is. You're somewhere, each one's on their own little, they've got uh -huh. their own little, own little sliver. They're, yeah. they, they own their own little piece of real estate on that. And, you know, it's like, wow. So how do you? You know, how, that is a fun puzzle to solve in a way because every person you meet is a different challenge and you try to help them. I mean, it could be that could be really addicting in a way. Yeah. And I, I like the way you put it. They, they have their own piece of little real estate on that spectrum. I yeah. love that. It actually, it actually feels empowering, you know, to so someone with lived mental health experience and, you know, like myself, I, I go, well, you know what? That actually makes me feel like, yeah, um, you're... yeah that I'm not just, you know, this generic guy that has OCD. That, that my OCD, you know, it, it was severe, but it's also unique to me. And there's, something, sure. there's yeah. something very um, uh, uh, sobering, but also like empowering at the same point. Yeah, you know, yeah you're, you've got a spot in there. Um, how did you, did you get yours or did you, when did you get that you had it? How so did I didn't, work? yeah, I didn't, I, I, I think I, the furthest back I can remember it, starting, if you will, was around eight years old, but I didn't get treatment or help for my OCD and really get diagnosed as having OCD uh, till I was in graduate school, getting my MBA when I was 25, 26 years old. So I suffered for a long time and it got worse and worse and worse. And I'm sure this okay. is it. And you still got through graduate school. Yeah, I got through graduate school, but I was listening to NPR um, and I was, uh, some gentleman from McLean Hospital, which is a really prominent, internationally renowned um, mental health uh, psychiatric facility that treats a number of different uh, uh, issues and conditions. He talked about OCD. And I said, that is exactly what I have. I know that. And I had gone through trauma therapy because they didn't know what I had. So I had gone through trauma therapy. I had gone through you know versions of talk therapy with different therapists and nothing was helping. And uh, finally, I was like, that is exactly what I have. So I reached out to that individual on NPR and um, that doctor, and he uh, connected me with someone in San Diego County where I was living okay. at the time. Okay. And it was, it, it wasn't, by the way, that just started the, that started the long road that I've been on, but it saved my life. It saved my life. Right. So 
Um, I suffered a lot, you know, I was, I was playing highly competitive ice hockey up until college and into college, but I quit because I was having such horrible panic attacks and obsessions and, and, you know, and compulsions related to my OCD, obviously. So it affect, it was affecting and then unmitigated, unabated, uh, if you will, my OCD and my experience. And, and this is what I tr- find right. yeah. kind of a through line with others is if un- un- untreated, it gets worse unfortunately. So if you're not doing anything about it, and so as I didn't do anything about it from 16 to 17 to 20 to 25, it would get worse and worse and worse and worse, worse. So you're not um, going to grow out of it. <laughs> no, you yeah. know, there, there, there I, is, and I think it's important to say that because there's people like, like, you know, suck it up, you know, yeah. he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there is some really cool, interesting, um, a book I read about, um, you kind of age out of some of the, uh, I forget what it's called, but um, you can age out of some stuff to, to, some a, stuff, degree, right. yeah. to a degree you kind of like age out of, and this was talking about, this is a book around addiction, but um, certainly with a chronic mental illness like OCD, not, not saying that addiction is not, but a chronic mental illness like OCD, uh, you don't age out. <laughs> <You don't. laughs> once it, once the switch is kind of turned on in my experience and I've run, I've run support groups, I've, Yes, help place okay. people. I've I've helped coach people. Um, it doesn't it doesn't the switch doesn't turn off unless you unless you really get at it, you know. So, you know, first first is the insight, and I didn't have the insight for years. Yeah, so, that had to be life's. I mean, that had to be sitting down with a the therapist the first time, and they start going, "Are you know, you feel like this? Do you feel like this?" Yeah, and, and, and you're it, just going, "Oh my God, it's me." How fascinating! This is fascinating too. A statistic is that it's about 14 years from the time any for any mental health issue. The average is about 14 years from the point at which they start exhibiting symptoms to the point at which they get help. Um, so Whoa. yeah, because of because they don't know what's going on. Yes, yeah. The, appro- the appropriate help, I should say. So for me, an OCD, it's it's actually 17 years, and that actually held true because it was. I was, you know, 25. So that was five, six, seven, yeah, eight, yeah. eight years old. So it was actually like, I was like, wow, like hit it on the dot. Now, you know, it doesn't matter if it's five years or 17 years, it's, it's terrible either way. But um, yeah, for on average for a mental health issue and the time at which said individual starts exhibiting symptoms to the time at which that individual gets the appropriate help they need, doesn't matter what the mental health issue across the board, it's an average of 14 years of a wait time, it's, which is <sighs> Which is it speaks to the access issues that we have in the industry and the quality of care issues, which and is something no, and knowledge and knowledge and knowledge Educa- edu- education, right? Stigma, uh, yeah, stigma, and, and, this, and also that those two are kind of combined, aren't they? They are. They are. There is some. There's some crossover. The other thing that was in the, um, I, or I don't know, maybe we talked about it, but the the paper, the the White House paper, was integrating uh, your actual health, your medical health. Yep. In with a mental health benefit and yep. kind of forcing those, which you kind of described, you know, before earlier saying that, that, that road you go on, but yes, yeah, yeah. forcing that to happen at the retail level, in the hospital, in the clinic, at your HMO, at your PPO, yep. that you have access, not this yeah. banana where you can't get a, you can't get a doctor. Yeah. I mean, the parody was a huge deal for a long time. And then they, they, they kind of, uh, you know, kind of, I think there was a, a legislation in around 2010 that, if I if I'm not mistaken, okay. uh, that established parity. But yes, it's about uh, 
you know, and now they're looking at value-based care. Um, but yes, it's about being able to, um, you know, yes, kind of yeah. bundle the, bundle those together where and when appropriate. Um, obviously, there's obviously a comorbid effect. You know, if you don't, untreated mental illness can really affect your your physical health, right? So it's, you know, there's there's really some great organizations that are doing some great work, Lear included, but um, with partnering with um, other organizations that do more primary care and so that they integrate their services so that when someone, you know, has, you know, goes and gets their blood pressure mm -hmm. checked, they also are screened for anxiety, what have you. And then, and then, you know, um, shuttled appropriately to the, to Alira or whoever, whoever it might be. So integrating those two pieces is, is paramount because a lot of times uh, your primary care practitioner is responsible for prescribing the meds that, that, you know, you're on. Oh yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, getting it would that. Change, change the role for the primary care, right? Because they're now going to be the point of your physical health and your mental health it and is, managing yeah. everybody behind them. Yeah. And, and, you know, some of this is above my pay grade, but yeah, I mean, I just know that, you know, it behooves a primary care practitioner, I think, and it, it certainly makes for the patient, it better, it, yes. it, betters, it betters the care if that person um, has a little bit of a, a, a pulse on, on the mental health piece. And so can at least, you know, kind of notice and respond accordingly when said patient comes into their waiting room or mm -hmm. comes into their room rather, and they're demonstrating um, signs of X, Y, depression, anxiety, what have you, you know? So it, it's, it's a, it's a great starting point. And you see a lot, it, the more we can integrate the, the medical, the physical piece and the, and the mental health piece and those two, you know, mm. those two uh, verticals, if you will, the, the better, the better. It's going to be fascinating to watch that. I've got some thoughts on that as well. Even, you know, how that managed care now becomes a real, mm -hmm. and this is really becomes a managed care. Yeah. Interesting changes that role. I wonder if uh, a Lira, somebody like Alira, you know, maybe it becomes more of a platform that doctors plug into. Yep. And, yeah. you know, that platform follows me as an individual, no matter where I go. Exactly. And, so, you know, Lira manages that and the doctors can go in and see, coordinate on the platform, on my personal health platform. Yeah. So we, 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 we're doing that as we speak, actually. We just launched a partnership with Accolade, which is a care navigation service. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know them. Yeah. And they do some really great primary care work. Um, and so the, the details of what that partnership uh, are, are far and wide and I can go into that, but yeah, that, that is kind of a part and parcel to what we're talking about right now. Right. So, you know, we're, we're, we're in, we're in the mix, right? So um, value-based care, integrating the medical and, and mental health piece, okay. all of that is, is a step or steps in the right direction to create a more seamless process for people that access care more quickly and then obviously the quality of care is also what matters as well on the on the other end. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we'll get better at being able to measure that. Hell, if Amazon can get, you know, 10 million reviews, why can't we get reviews on Doctor? Right. I mean review it, right? If we can review some some poor little Shenzhen guy manufacturing, you know, cable parts for your for, to charge your phone, can't we can't we get a review on my doctor online? Sure, sure, sure. It's it's an interesting you know what I mean? It's an it, it's something that's an interesting uh, thought experiment because how do you how do you review you know a, a, a doctor that uh, or a therapist or a psychologist and and you know when when you have folks that um, some are mentally still sick or ill 
you know, and, <laughs> you know what I mean? So yes. the, review might, the, the reviews might not be too, um, too, uh, uh, too good. Fascinating. They would be fascinating to see yeah. though. Yeah. I mean, if you look at any reviews for a psych inpatient psychiatric hospital, like the one I, I yeah, I you, you've seen this. Yeah, the reviews are pretty bad. <laughs> so I mean, not to laugh, but I mean, no, no, just to just you, to, have to yeah. have, you have to have some comic relief, right? Come so, on, this is so serious. It's such yeah. heavy stuff. Yeah, it's heavy stuff. So it's, heavy stuff. It, it's hard to really encapsulate it. These aren't widgets; these are humans. And 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 on the flip side, therapists and doctors and even treatment centers, by extension, they're 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 humans. It's all about you know, it's the treatment. It's the it, it's the, the treatment that, that matters. And that is a very nuanced, not always just a cookie cutter thing to evaluate. Right. So mm. um, it's interesting. Good thought. Everybody, experiment, though. Everybody's got their slice of real estate on the spectrum. Right. <laughs> everybody's got their own little DNA spot. Um, Mike, we, we hit the time. We're even a little bit over. I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to try to manage my time. So it's like, a, like, I'm like, I don't know, 30 minutes. Exactly. No but it's such a great, it was such a great chat. I didn't want to end it. Um, Total selfishness. I can't, I'm thinking it's awkward to ask me or to ask you to give some, you know, bit of advice for the audience or something, because that's bananas. Maybe there's not even anybody listening and maybe nobody will ever watch it. Who knows? But at least I, I've had an amazing conversation. I have too. Um, how about advice for me? Just total selfishness. I'm on this journey. We kind of chatted before, you know, if you were me building, you know, trying to build out this nonprofit and to do it, you know, with decent resources and I'm going to, and I'll find some money eventually. Um, yeah. Any advice for me on this, you know, where I'm at on this part of the journey and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. So I think that's wonderful that you asked that. I think people are hesitant to sometimes ask because they think it's selfish or what have you. I think it's very mm. it's, it's self-serving, but in, in the most humble, beautiful way, because I think the work you're doing is, can be very, very impactful. Um, stay open, um, stay optimistic, um, I think are two things that I would say. Okay. Um, I think the psychoeducation piece is absolutely huge. And like I kind of mentioned, love we it, talked about it. earlier, is part and parcel to the destigmatization piece. The more we learn yeah. and understand mental health, <clears throat> the more it gets destigmatized. So keep doing what you're doing. You don't like need to be that. a clinician to do what you're doing. You don't yep. need to start a mental health tech company to affect the mental health space in a large way. Um, and I think it's all about connections, just like we say, you know, what, what heals a lot of people that are suffering from mental health illness is connecting, really, truly connecting with other people heart to heart yes. from an interpersonal standpoint, connections in the same way, um, are going to behoove you so well. So leverage me, leverage my network, yeah. leverage the next gentleman or female or, or someone that you, that you interview, leverage them and their network and, and just, um, let it kind of declare itself, but keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, Mike, so much. Really appreciate that. That's like powerful advice for me and uh, hits home, hits home a lot. Again, thanks so much for being a guest. Um, we'll drop off the live and uh, I'll see you in the other room. I'll see you in the green room. Uh -huh. Thanks everybody for supporting the jar uh, here, the jar foundation. And then also my jar podcast, uh, my regular gig where I do go face-to-face -face and sit down with people and talk about real human topics face-to-face uh, -face for an hour plus. Great show if you're not watching. And look forward to seeing somebody tomorrow. I've got another guest tomorrow and, uh, and then somebody on Thursday. I'll see you, everybody. Thanks.